I'm Colette Hemmings. I'm really excited to invite you to another episode of Chill with Chemmings. This podcast is about you, your story, our story, and the ways that we can use stories to inspire and guide each other to a more connected, vibrant society. My story started in Scotland, where a strong sense of social justice, dignity and responsibility were instilled at a young age. That has only become stronger over time. Over 20 years ago, our young family set off on an adventure that we thought was only for a few years. My husband left his job, we packed our bags, paid off our debts and set off to Belgium. Some years later, we found ourselves in Amsterdam, Shanghai, Oregon and Jakarta. It has been and continues to be an enlightening journey that has shaped who we are today. An adventure that I thought was to discover the world out there turned out to be an adventure to find out who I am and why I'm here. Ten years ago, I became a Tai Chi master, realising the healing benefits of ancient wisdoms that I believe are even more important today. This wakened up my imagination and passion for life again, and I've never looked back. I love the human story. I want to hear yours. It matters. If you have a story or know someone that you feel will inspire others, send an email to colette at chillwithchemmings.com. And without further ado, I want to introduce Nicola Madden. She is, besides my sister, an adventurer, musician, dog lover, and everyone who meets her leaves feeling energised and with a huge smile on their face. I've known Nicola my whole life, which is no surprise. She will share her own version of events because what I recall was a never-ending ball of energy, character, and a huge heart. Uh, I hope her story inspires others who have had to find a way to be their true selves and never give up and Nicola has some some great insight and her own personal story so welcome to Chill with Chemmings Nicola really happy to have you here hi Nicola welcome to Chill with Chemmings Hi, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I'm so and I just scared. Mentioned, <laughs> mentioned, on your, uh, mentioned on your intro uh, why I've invited you. And, you know, Nicola's my third sister. And I've always been inspired by her love of life and other people and just to get straight to you Nicola tell us a wee bit about your background of course I know some of it but a wee bit about your background and your story of who you are and uh, what you kind of do um um I suppose I'm trying to think of something that um is a uh, interesting first of all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm a, um, a a human being on this planet based over in Scotland in the UK <laughs> where I've grown up and spent all my life really um, I love sports love arts, music I have a passion I think like you said for life after mm-hmm find most enjoyment in most things but yeah uh, trials and tribulations along the way but um, probably would say I'm 
46, coming into my 47th uh, birthday. I would say probably the last five, seven years have probably been the most happiest of my life, or mm -hmm. apart from probably times when you're just a child and carefree, but certainly in adulthood, um, coming into probably the most time I've been most comfortable with myself and mm -hmm. and enjoying life and, and loving life so totally but I want to take you back before we go into the real who you are <laughs> when the thing that's coming to mind right now is and this gives a wee bit about your character is the rising of the bike down the drive through the house <laughs> so just to give people a sense of maybe a couple of you know you're well, being very polite right now. I think that you have much more emotional memories of that than I do. Because I could, could not really remember it that much. But I do remember, however, the reaction of most people. But uh, so maybe just share that one example and then we can well, go back a wee bit to... I suppose we did live on quite an incline. Um, it was a poor design. It was a poor... Poor architectural design for a, a young, what age was a Six, seven-year-old. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it was inconsiderate, really, <laughs> that you should not be allowed to to ride a bike down a steep incline right down into your front door into, a, you know, a steep staircase. Uh-huh. Um, and this was you... in the days of, it, it was like choppers <laughs> and chippers. I think you had to be... <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was the last bike I was allowed to have, put it that way. <laughs> so talk a wee bit about, because what I remember was you really were pretty talented at anything you put your hand to, but you really loved sports, anything that was kind of outdoor active. Mm. But you also had this other side of you, which was the music. You were in the... Were you not in an orchestra at one point? Yeah. When playing the up, electric yeah. violin. So talk a wee bit about some of that, you know, what what were what was going on when you were trying all these different things? Was it just natural to you or I, I think absolutely that natural. Um I think I feel very privileged actually, uh, lucky, I think, growing up that I think one of the most um freeing uh, things that we did was the horse riding I think that allowed you and, and gave you the skills to kind of be you know as a kid you, you're mm -hmm. completely independent you're in charge of an, an animal and a, and a big animal a big powerful animal but I, I never saw it like that and I think that's me looking back on it and I think like like that we you were looking after, you know, a, a horse, a pony. Mm -hmm. You were riding at goodness knows what speeds up and down fields over jumps. And, and there was a real sense of freedom um, that I think I felt anyway. And and then really, any, I mean, even still now, if someone says, do you want a game of something? I might not be that good at it, but I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just love that. I just love really anything that is moving around outdoors or um you know where you can have a bit of fun mm -hmm. and you're you're i think you're underplaying the 
because what I recall of that was <laughs> I was like all <laughs> I had the hat on, the hairnet, the works, you know, and it was all uh huh. The saddle was on the right way and everything. It was all carefully orchestrated, and I just remember you flying past in a blur. Uh, sometimes <laughs> without saddles and stuff like that up the field. Now I love going fast as well, but that's you're what such I a conformist. <laughs> Rules are there to be broken. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. I know. I'm quite thankful, actually, that. Um, our parents didn't actually see most of the things that they probably wouldn't have lasted into their 40s <laughs> if they had seen some of the things. I mean, it is frightening, but anyway, it was good memories. <laughs> totally. And then what, so you, you, I mean, you did a lot of, and I wasn't at home by this time, but you did a lot of football as yeah. well. So tell us a bit about your journey in the world of soccer. Uh, yeah, I always I always played football from, I mean, again, our upbringing, but I was out every night. Every, as soon as I came home from school, I couldn't wait. In fact, I sometimes didn't come home from school if it was raining because I know I wouldn't be allowed back out. <laughs> um, and I, I remember my mum still says, she says, oh, I used to pray it would rain because she didn't know what I would be up to. But... <laughs> We would just we would be playing football every night, really. I just loved it, and uh, the guys in the street would be playing the you know a team from up up the street, and they go, "Well, come on, we'll take them on." They've got a girl in their team, but I was the I was the hidden the uh... uh-huh. <laughs> the decoy the decoy, yeah. So great memories. What, what did you love about street. football though? Because you you stayed at that for quite a long time. I think um, just natural that. I think a lot. I love everything about the sport. It's got absolute, well, absolutely everything. I suppose that that I uh, responded to and and loved from the fitness side and the games part. Being yes, individually brilliant, but that's not really good enough if you're not playing with your team round about you. And I was very fortunate. Um, when I went into high school, because actually all my football stopped then, because there was no, there were no women's soccer football teams uh, mm-hmm. around. Um, but I was very fortunate um, that a woman locally, uh, Nisco Bride, that we grew up, she had uh, played in Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, she she started up like a five aside and then an eleven aside and the Scottish League. For the for women, grew and grew, um, and the opportunities now are, are fantastic. It's great to see that women are actually being able to have a career in, in soccer and football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I I didn't ever see that uh, as an option for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you you would never have had that. But I mean. I kind of laugh people, you know, you have these kind of corporate meetings and you go, what, what did you always want to be? You know, you get asked these stupid icebreaker <laughs> questions. And I, I always say, <laughs> I always wanted, I always wanted to play for Celtic. But it, I mean, Celtic women only had a team from about, I think about 10 years ago. That's, that's how daft I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the, I didn't see any barriers to it at the time. I just loved it. And mm-hmm. it was a whole part of my life for a good 20, 30 years, you know. And I still play, but 
uh, with a couple <laughs> more uh, pounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean British pounds. <laughs> Not British pounds, unfortunately, no. So what, what do you, like in the football, what were like the big things you learned about, if you look back on your life today, what were some of the kind of life lessons? Um... Well, de- well, probably what I said there about there was no ceiling. I didn't see a ceiling mm-hmm. that that I couldn't. There, there wasn't even a league when 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 we started, or, or there was no team, and yet we just got on with it and got out and did what we loved. And, mm-hmm. and guess what? Out of that passion and and people coming together and uh, a willingness, it, the sports really developed again. Um, so I suppose that that in itself is mm-hmm. if you're doing what you love, you know, don't what yeah. I, I think I, I learn from I don't don't think too much about too far ahead or the future or where it's going. Just yeah. keep doing things that are that your body, your mind responds to and fills you with with some satisfaction, you mm-hmm. know. Totally. And you also so and this is kinda excuse the pun, but left field, <laughs> but you're, I mean, you were also really into, again, this is my memory was, I remember going to watch you a lot of the kind of orchestra type things, uh-huh. you were playing the, I think you were playing the electric violin, I don't know if you did <laughs> other instruments, but uh, it was kind of strange, almost this, you know, on one hand, you were running about playing football, and the other, it was like the kind of velvet jacket playing with your playing the wee violin and stuff so yeah. what, what was that um again probably opportunity i think was lucky that you know they came around the classroom in primary school and said is anyone interested in learning another instrument and actually again our parents were very good with that mm-hmm. they tried to get us to learn the piano and right. i remember I, now that you're saying it, i actually remember i gave up the piano before that and I kind of regretted it, although you would never admit that as a probably maybe seven, eight year old. And uh, when they came round, I just stuck my hand up. It was another excuse to get out of the class and do something more interesting. <laughs> um, and, do you know, my violin teacher and my music teachers, they were just the most interesting people and, and great inspirations you know, for me, much more interesting than the academic side of things. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you did have to. Well, again, I'll blame the parents for that, but I, I'm glad they made us study because I definitely wouldn't have been interested in the the mainstream kind of things. I, I was always interested in in other things, mm-hmm. the extracurricular and, stuff. Definitely, and and you know that it's nice to see although I think there's some regression at the moment, but I think it's nice to see that there's lots more opportunities in the arts and music for people to develop, for young people to develop more honestly into, you know, it was always seen as a secondary thing. Whereas, That's right. Uh, no, I, yeah, definitely. I remember, I really remember music teachers, even at primary school, which was quite a long time ago, and I'm like, I think having kids being able to access music is, yeah. you know, no matter what kind of background or is really important. Because if you don't access it when you're young, 
it's kind of a wee bit more. It's quite hard to then uh-huh. get into, but I always remember uh, my old Latin teacher. You, I think you had the same same one and Mister Saint Angeli. Yeah, oh, he and was he brilliant. said he said you play an instrument, never give up your instrument, never give up your music. You'll always need it. And mm. I still remember where I was standing when he said that, and I thought, wow. "What's he talking about?" And he's my Latin <laughs> teacher. I mean, what? Think you? You know, you just don't realise how these things resonated as as a young person, and and these teachers to me are uh, do yeah. wonders uh, with you know vouching for for young people and and ad, you know being advocates for them and mm-hmm. really seeing. Uh, all their differences and and helping give advice like that. Yeah, he was Mister. If if it was the same teacher, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was. He had quite a profound effect on my life, and still to this day, I just remember him coming round the class, and he had this little. It was like a music. Actually, it was like an orchestra, like a conductor's yeah. stick. Uh huh, and he would tap gently tap it was wooden desks at that point <laughs> and he would come round and go balloon 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 and he would touch that and then he would go mad and he would shout your surname. Yeah, surname but he did it I mean that sounds not too good but he did it in such a way he really loved every single student yeah. and cared about everyone deeply and I think that that goes a long way you know that stays yeah. with you affects how you how you are well look people. how we remember that I don't remember. I don't probably even remember the names of the other some teachers. others, but you're emotionally attached to it because it was made fun. It was, That's right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. special special people. Totally. And then, so we did. Well, I wanted to ask. So the the lessons and you shared a wee bit of that about playing music and being around other musicians. What were some of the things that? Um, affected you or what did you learn about yourself when you were doing the music? Um, discipline for sure practice, mm-hmm. the thing with the, the violin in particular is it sounds awful for quite a good few years <laughs> Yeah I remember that part as well <laughs> <My> poor, <laughs> Well you might remember that, my poor mother she go, just try that bit again, it's not quite right <laughs> My poor mother um, but yeah, for one, definitely discipline, uh, dedication. Uh, remember, Papi always saying, you know, practice every day. You've got practice one day, you might notice yourself. Practice, miss practice a couple of days, then your close friends and miss it three days, and that's you, everyone, your whole audience, you know. Oh, wow. So you knew you had to. I think that's what true of most things. If if you think of that in of life lessons, you know, discipline first of all, knowing maybe a, the technical part or of what you're doing, but then that dedication and routine to, you know, to get the benefits of it actually. And and now I pick up the violin, and because I've done that, I pick it up not not too often now, but when I do, I get such enjoyment and. Escapism, I would say, I can that I mm-hmm. can turn to. So that's quite special to have, I think. Oh, I remember you playing it in Michelle's wedding, which was just it was in the outdoors. It was absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's some special moments like that as well. I've had played at some close friends' weddings and things like that that are really special and you really wouldn't have had that is from just learning an instrument. So that that actually means more than, than anything, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know? So the other thing I remember as well was and I don't remember specifically where you went, but on your travels, you did the, I mean, you did a, a few things. One was great work. I think you went out to Africa at one point and you uh-huh. did a wee bit bungee jumping, but you also did some work in, uh, I think, some of the... Zambia. Yeah. Was it Zambia that you went to? Yeah. Right. Um, well, tell us a wee bit a, about that. It was actually part of my, I did a master's in logistics and, and again, just coincidence yeah you one of the lecturers had a, a contact so you had to do a kind of industrial placement and they of course a lot of people did it in university research and I'm like that is so boring what can I do and this again this opportunity came up really lucky to have got to go to to Zambia for it was about three and a half it was three and a half months and it was a trading company so they were buying and selling maize and fertilizer and things like that but I got to live with Annette well she she was also Scottish um, the girl that was running it there but I got to meet so many you know when you're working in a place you really get Uh to see a culture far more than if you rock in on holiday and pass through as a tourist Uh Uh And, and I got to meet because I was a student and I remember them saying this. They said, you know, we, we can't even meet these government ministers. I managed to get a, the, the the Minister of Transport for Zambia. And uh, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, but I remember him saying, logistics problems? No. no, Zambia have none. We have a road to the north. We have a road to the south and one out to the east and one to the west. You know, that was it. That was the simplicity of the logistics issues. Uh-huh. Just Never grateful mind, as uh, well for... Mm-hmm. And I I didn't, you know what, I didn't realise the power of that at the time. But on reflection, you you know, you look back and you see that I had the opportunity to go out to the bush and see the communities there. I remember quite fondly stopping and we had a game of football and the ball was paper all mashed up and tied round with string and they were all on their bare feet and running over rocks and red sand, you know, it was it was lovely and, and just the happiest people, you know, and we're clambering over grains of maize and mm-hmm. every dollar per kilo and you just think, what is this all about? You know, a real connection to, it felt like I was going back in time actually and then actually the reality is, no, that this is real now and it, it still is. You know, and uh, it was quite a special time and I was fortunate, very fortunate to have got to go there. What, what do you think you learned about yourself from that, from your travels, whether it was Zambia or other places? Um, probably how much you love people, how much we're all the same and we're all different. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting next to someone from a completely different background and how much you have in common. And then, yeah, how much the different cultures, uh, but but they are the same, you know? 
but they overcomplicate so much. <laughs> it's really simple, mm-hmm. you know. Playing a game of football with a whole mixture of the, the the women, boys, everybody was the same. They were just all having a laugh, and you know, it's as simple as that. Well, if it's I know, in 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 theory. <laughs> well, we if you don't let it get complicated, then we can all do it. Talk us a wee bit. So that was, and I was well away from home by then. But you, so you had Zambia, and so up till today, tell us a wee bit about your journey to where you are today, because you're back in Scotland now. Yes. Well, I came back from Zambia, finished my degree course, and then started working right away. Really, um, I kind of had to make that decision: would I go travelling or what? I kind of had that question mark and I suppose the Zambia thing kind of got that out of my mind and the opportunities were I suppose closer to home and I just dived into my career and life and if I'm being honest I probably initially it was head down and get your career up and running get you know mm-hmm. uh, focused on that um, and that's probably what I did for the next kind of 10 years or so um, and had lots of fun along the way, met lots of people, did well in my job, always, whatever job I had I always seemed to get on and get promoted or things like that. Um, but I suppose when I look back on it though, it's a bit of a blur if I'm being honest, you know, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a routine um, and I suppose things really changed when um, I left kind of a couple of things kind of simultaneously, both in my personal life and in my career, which overlapped <laughs> a bit um, because it involved uh, working with uh, members of my family. But my personal life took took a turn, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I took a turn. <laughs> and uh, I kissed the girl and I like <laughs> um, So, sorry. This is meant to be serious. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yes, I realised that I wanted to live my life with another woman. Um, I was doing really well, I thought, in my career at the time. And uh, then, of course, I started telling people and people's reactions kind of changed the way things were in my life. It was all about up in the air. Um, but actually, I came through it. And I suppose what I said before about that, keeping things simple and back to basics was it made me focus on really what was important to me, who was important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a really difficult time in my life, really upsetting and mm-hmm. realising that you upset a lot of people and people, you, you felt that you let a lot of people down and, you know, it seemed to go on and on and on and you go, how will this ever end? And and, and it does and people come round and, they, mm-hmm. you know, they think differently and... How do you, how did you, when you were going through, and we talk a lot about this on on different shows, but how did you 
keep going when it was tough going, when you had, you know, shared with the world, I guess. It probably felt like a secret, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, you were just really sort of being who you are. And I was being honest. Yeah. And it's something that I'm very proud of, as both my parents instilled in me to be true to yourself, speak your mind, um, stick up for yourself, stick up for what's right. All my formative years, so what what got me through it? Resilience that I didn't even know I had to that level. Um, You know, I did a lot of, I had, I formed a, I would say some unhealthy habits, um, buried a lot of things, lived in little compartments. Mm -hmm. I was one person in work. I felt like a bit of an actress, if I'm being honest. You know, I was one person in work because I had my career to think about. I was protecting um, my, I suppose, profile in work, so because that was important to the to the people I worked for. Um, I was then, I could be myself within a small group of friends. I had had other friends that weren't reacting this year. I was, I was just so busy in my mind. And, uh, you know, I probably just buried my head for a lot of the time. And then, came out on a Monday morning and went back to work. Um, But in saying that, probably all the good practices and things that I know were good for me, like the sport, like the music, like the art stuff, you know, I I drew at times. uh, My faith, I prayed. (laughs) I prayed every day. Uh, You know, and and what it was, I, I, I don't know, but you just get through. You, you have, it was almost uh, you had to get through mm-hmm. something something was keeping me going I, I felt supported by I don't know what but I still you know I, um, I do have a very strong faith from growing up um, as you know we grew up we're introduced to the Catholic religion uh, but actually that you know, I fell out with the Catholic Church, you know, just between me and the Catholic Church <laughs> but because of the teachings. And also I felt that some people's reactions were because of what was indoctrinated to them by human-made religions, not by what a god is or whatever you believe in, a higher energy. or These, you know, people were are controlled in their minds and what they should think. And some people get comfort out of that, mm-hmm. but it's really dangerous. It's a really dangerous place to be because you're not in control of yourself. And actually, I learned to love my God, God myself again. And I'm proud of who I am and and what I do. I can sleep very well at night. And... Uh, I think that's the most important thing. And people love me. The people that are in my life that I call family are not all blood family, but they're people who love me for, for who I am and strangely like my company, which is... A, yeah, that's... yeah. That is a bit weird, but <laughs> that's their problem. That's their stuff to work out. <laughs> so what would you say are... And thanks for sharing all of that, Nick. That's That's great. The lessons that if you were talking to say a 
a younger audience or any audience that is going through something similar to you? What are the lessons uh, that you can share? Uh, what, what, what kind of words of wisdom would you share if they're going through this? I think at the, well, first of all, the, the most important message I would want, or the, the person I would want to get, make, get a message to would be those who are at their lowest and at their most desperate is that there is always someone that you will meet or talk to that will understand and will listen. There's You'll always meet someone who will, but not if you're buried and hiding and mm-hmm. then it's lonely and, and, and desperate. And I think just have faith in yourself that you'll get out of it and, and you can and talk to people. Get you know, get out of your head. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> almost asking don't... for help. I know I had problems with that for a long time. Ask for help. Mm-hmm. Oh man, if you know that is we're so proud, aren't we, as mm-hmm. people that as human beings that you think, Oh, that's a that what were people thinking? I mean, it doesn't seem that bad and you know that resilience I talked about, there was a scene I think mum used to always, you know. Everyone's problems are the same size, and you think no matter what, how big or small you think a problem is, it's still you think it's a problem, so it's real. So mm. just share it and offload it, and someone yeah. will be for sure. I, I used I love that because I used to um, let's just say I have a wild imagination, still have, but it's well managed now, and it's like a paper tiger. You know, you think it's a real tiger and it's going to kind of eat you alive at its worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you put your hand out to touch it, it just disappears. You know, it's just paper. So I've always, I always use that when when things are not going that easily. Uh So this is, um, well, first of all, how do people connect with you after the show? What's the best way for them to do that? Um... Well, either Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. on as Nicola Madden. Right. On Facebook, that's probably the best way. Perfect. And then this is, I won't say it's my favourite question, but what is your favourite song related to your life journey and oh, yeah. why? Uh, <laughs> I, I have so many songs, again, in all those moments of happiness, joy, celebration, you all, you always have music, don't you? Yeah. Um, celebration, but I suppose the, there's a Labby Sifri song called "So Strong," something inside so strong. Oh yeah, I love and that I song. absolutely love it. I think the words are—they could probably mean so much to so many different people. Um, the higher you build your barriers, you could—you could look at that as other people build, building barriers. You know you hide behind walls of Jericho well who's hiding you know and the walls come tumbling down it's just so it's so uh, emotional and uplifting you know oh, a real resilience song so and it yeah, goes there's that's... the chorus is so beautiful it's something inside so is that that one yes oh you know that I can make it yes, no I'm not singing it yeah, go on, go on, <laughs> no, finish no there. I'll join in. <laughs> That's enough. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to to hearing that. Maybe next time on the podcast, we'll get you to do a wee bit violin and singing because I need a brilliant voice. But... That'll be a short one. <laughs> <laughs> Two minute episode. The least amount of light. <laughs> Anyway, it has been such a joy, Nicola, and thank you so much for coming on Chill with Chemmings. That was thanks for it's an absolute honour. Being so uh, open, so and, proud uh, of you. Yeah, and I look forward to having you on the show again. And for now, we'll see see you later, alligator. In a while, crocodile. <laughs> Bye, Nick. See ya. Hi, I'm Colette Hemmings and I'm really excited to invite you to another episode of Chill with Chemmings. This podcast is about you, your story, our story and the ways that we can use stories to inspire and guide each other to a more connected, vibrant society. My story started in Scotland where a strong sense of social justice, dignity and responsibility were instilled at a young age. This has only become stronger over time. Over 20 years ago, our young family set off on an adventure that we thought was only for a few years. My husband left his job, we packed our bags, paid off our debts and set off to Belgium. Some years later, we found ourselves in Amsterdam, Shanghai, Oregon and Jakarta. It has been and continues to be an enlightening journey that has shaped who we are today. An adventure that I thought was to discover the world out there turned out to be an adventure to find out who I am and why I'm here. Ten years ago, I became a Tai Chi master, realising the healing benefits of ancient wisdoms that I believe are even more important today. This wakened up my imagination and passion for life again, and I've never looked back. I love the human story, and I want to hear yours. It matters. If you have a story or you know someone that you feel will inspire others, send an email to colette at chillwithchemmings.com. And without further ado, I want to welcome Kevin Bethune. Kevin is the founder and chief creative officer of Dreams Design and Life, a think tank delivering design and innovation with a human-centered approach. The mission being to unlock human potential through the creation of empathic and holistic experiences. Kevin's first song choice wasn't available at the end, so we've got another great song uh, for you instead. What I have seen of Kevin and why I've invited him as a guest is that as well as being a highly curious human being, a craftsman, design thinker, he's also an advocate for a better world and I'm really excited to welcome him today. Welcome to Chill with Chemmings. <laughs>